good morning. I want to welcome you as well. My name is Mark, executive pastor here, and I am, I'm big time excited about this study of, of Proverbs. We're in the second week here. Last week, Charlie kicked us off and, and kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. And, you know, like I said last week, it's just, it's something that I've read Proverbs a lot, kind of picked at it, uh, read, read it from cover to cover several times, but not, not really just taking time to, to study it and, uh, and maybe to catch the, the big themes and study it in the same, to the depth that we've studied other books. And I uh, haven't ever been in a, in a fellowship where they did that. And so I'm, I'm just excited that we're doing it. I think there's just so much, much power here. And uh, glad that I get to look at this second week. And, you know, Charlie talked last week just the idea of a proverb and these short, quippy statements that have such power. And that really, those are going to start to kick in about chapter 10. Today, we're going to focus on chapter 1 to chapter 9. So we're going to take some pretty big clips as we, as we move through this. Um, but there is, there's a theme that, that happens in this, uh, this section between chapter 1 and chapter 9 before we get into those statements. And, um, and the theme really is that the, the author's trying to bring attention to why we should even care. You know, these statements of wisdom, why, uh, why we should value those things. And the way that he comes at it, there are these ten lectures or speeches from a father to a son. And I can just say, I just really relate to that. I, you know, having been a son, uh, now being a father, uh, having been in college ministry and tried to help, you know, young adults try to figure out and navigate life for several years. It's just, it's that place that I, I get it. I mean, I, I uh, the other day I went to a, uh, to a driving range with my dad, and I haven't had a golf club in my hand with him in years, but that's what we used to do a lot. Uh, we lived next to a, what was called a golf course. It was really just a pasture with some, it was kind of mowed down a little bit. But anyway, uh, we played a lot back then, and I, he would always make a statement and, uh, about how I would swing too hard, both, especially when I was trying to putt, but uh, both from the tee box and when I was trying to putt, and he would call me a gorilla. And the other day, I, I remember, like, I was swinging, and I could tell I was swinging too hard. I, in the back of my head, I could hear my dad. He was there. He didn't actually say, call me a gorilla. But I remember him often calling me a gorilla. And, uh, and that kind of sums up one of the main things that my grandfather and my father had to teach me and correct me a lot on. I'm just built in such a way that, like, if, if a little bit is good, then a lot, you know, it has to be, you know, all that much better. So that shows up in a lot of different ways, but one is like when you're tightening a bolt. Uh, This is what my grandfather would get so frustrated with me about. He's like, boy, that's enough. Stop, stop. You know, you're going to break it off. Well, sure enough, man, our house is full of stripped out bolts with the head broken off of them, where in my my head, my, my grandfather was saying on that last turn, stop. And I'm like, just a little bit, for, boom, you know, that's, that's it. And I can hear his voice. Um, but, you know, there's just a lot of things like that that my grandfather, my father, my, my mother, my grandmother spoke into my life. These truths that I had to decide whether I was going to receive that, especially things that differed from maybe what I assumed about life with my grand knowledge of life compared to what they thought, whether I was going to try to yield to that and apply it or whether I was going to go my own way. You know, now trying to be a dad, it's like that. It's like, man, I've got these, these years of experience, a lot of mistakes and things that I know, man, this is the way that that plays out. 
And, you know, you try to share those things, and then you look back at the eyes that are just like you when you were that age. They're like, Am I, are these things true, or should I, should I take my experience, or should I take this, this opinion of this, this other person, father, family member, whatever, elder, that they know better than I? And we start here in, in Proverbs with a, a father saying to a son, that there are these two, uh, he personified as ladies, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And they are screaming out and calling out to you. And you're going to have to decide, son, which one you're going to listen to. And sometimes Lady Wisdom doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But, uh, but I promise you, the end of that road, there's life. And I promise you, the end of the other road, the road to folly, it, it leads to death. And, uh, and so he's making these statements. In fact, it sounds a whole lot like uh, the poet Leonard Skinner, you know. Uh, mama told me when I was young, come sit beside me, my only son. The things that, that mama tells him, take your time, don't live too fast. Troubles will come and they'll pass. Find a woman, you'll find love. Don't forget, son. That all these things are really kind of found in Proverbs. I think he stole it from Proverbs. Um, so that's what this feels like. Come sit. All right, y'all, let's, let's gather together this morning. Let's sit down, and, and Daddy's going to some, drop some wisdom on us about how important it is for us to yield and listen to these words of God. So, so let's do that. So first of all, I, we're going to bring attention to the way of wisdom. I'm going to take these nine chapters and jump around a little bit, talk about this way of wisdom, the path of wisdom, the call of wisdom, and then a little bit about this the way that folly calls to us in that way. So let's start out Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. It says that wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. She's everywhere, and she's crying out. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? You know what you know. There you are. How long are you going to be okay with that? How long scoffers um, delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, which this is one of the themes if you read through chapter 1 or if you've read before this morning, uh, chapter 1 to chapter 9, the call of Lady Wisdom is often this call to uh, correction, to turn, you're heading your path, and she's calling out, stop, stop, turn, <laughs> you're headed towards danger, turn, turn. She calls out, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Like I said, this is a repeated thing that the call of Lady Wisdom is also often one to see if we're going to be humble enough, uh, teachable enough to hear a rebuke or a cor correction, uh, consider it, yield at it, and change direction. And you guys know, I mean, teachability, I mean, we're talking about father to son, but you and me, we're headed a direction and something comes along and says that that direction is an error or it's going to cause trouble and we need to change direction. Nobody likes it. But one of the core things that we need to understand about wisdom, wisdom is being teachable to that. 
Uh, it's repeated a lot, like I said. In fact, chapter 3, verse 4, I'll just read it. I don't have this on the screen for you. But chapter 3, verse 4 says, Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord, he reproves those he loves. Uh, my dad told me a story uh, when I was a boy about when he was playing college football, and it seemed like the coach was just always on him, always on him, more than anybody else. It seemed like he was just always on him and always on him. So one day my dad went into the coach's office and said, what, what's going on? Why are you always, you know, calling me out? Why is it always me? And this, this coach, really wise guy, actually ended up being my coach in college as well, which was really cool. He said, uh, son, don't worry about when I'm getting on to you. Worry about the day when I don't. Now, my dad didn't, might not have realized it. <laughs> that was Bible. That's what God says. He says he loves, the one, he reproves those he loves. He doesn't just allow them to go. He says, no, 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 stop, turn, stop, turn, stop, turn. That's his love. Uh, chapter 9, verse 8, it says, do not reprove a scoffer. He'll hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he'll love you for it. So you can almost, I mean, tell the difference between a wise man and, and a foolish man, a simple man, by how he responds to correction. Does he receive it with joy, or does he immediately puff up and, and get you know, defensive and mad about it? Often this cry of wisdom is a cry of reproof. You know, uh, I thought about this this time that Caleb and I, my oldest, when he was 10 or 12, we were we were overseas, and we were going to, with this other father and his son, we were going to go on this little hike that we had heard about to this awesome little uh, mountaintop place, and we were real excited about it. And we got there, and uh, we started to walk down the trail, and this guy just kind of appeared from nowhere. It really did feel kind of eerie. I mean, I remember it being very um, overcast that day and kind of foggy, and then all of a sudden this guy pops up, and he looked kind of scary. And he started talking real loud and yelling and screaming and and he was speaking another language. We didn't, so we were, we were like, I don't know what you're saying. And he had fear in his eyes. And then he started pointing at our shoes, and, uh, which we just all had, you know, sandals, chacos on. And then he started pointing at the trail, and he was going. And I, honestly, me and the other dad kind of looked at each other, and we thought, hey, we're from Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, if he's saying that we don't need to wear chacos to go hiking, we get you. We get you, but we're, you know, our, our knowledge is elevated above that. Chacos are good for hiking. So anyway, so we, we walk, and I remember like being a little bit like weirded out and just saying thank you, thank you, thank you, but not even stopping our gait. Like we just, we just continued down the trail. And he yelled as we walked on. About 100 yards down the trail, we start, you know, all of us are starting to go like this, and we're like, man, there's some bugs. I don't know what these bugs are. And, and then we went a little bit further, and it got worse and worse and worse. And then we started to look down, and there were these leeches. And I've never seen anything like it. Like, there was a suction cup on one end and a suction cup on the other end. And, and I watched it on my shoe. It would go from the ground to my shoe like this. And before you know it, it would be up all the way up to your knees. And I guess they really liked the other guy's bug spray. I didn't think ahead enough enough to put on bug spray, luckily, because evidently they liked it, because he was just, he and his son were just covered up with them. So bad that about a month later, we were somewhere, and he showed me the scars where he had just scratched and scratched from trying to get those leeches off. We probably should have listened to the guy who lived by the trail 
And his fear in his eyes, even if we couldn't understand his, his language, we could understand the look in his face. Like, man, we, there's something going on here that we should probably heed. But we went our own way. Y'all, much of the time, Lady Wisdom is like that guy. <laughs> she is begging us, pleading with us, saying that there is danger down that road. And for a lot of us, a lot of times in my life, man, I just continued on. <laughs> Appreciate that. Even sometimes reading God's word and going, man, hey, oh, that's true. Boy, I'll make sure I remember that. But then going out and living life as though I never heard it or not making any changes. The wise, the wise hear and respond. Proverbs chapter 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, um, Treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your ear to, to understanding. So notice it's now, son, if you will make your ears attentive, if you'll incline your heart to it, if you'll lean into it, not lean away from it, but purposely take the initiative to lean in. Yes, if you will call out. So Lady Wisdom is calling out. <laughs> This is next level. If you will call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you will seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's that, that, this is not just responding to the call of Lady Wisdom. This is next level. This is, this is somebody saying, you know what? I'm going to take the initiative to go search for it like hidden treasure. That's one of the reoccurring themes that, that wisdom is like gold and silver and, and, uh, and this, this treasure that's, that's worth chasing with all that we've got and finding it and that there's a treasure when we find it, that, that life, that, that a higher level of living is found there. But it takes a lot to believe it enough that we would chase after it like that. You know, if you've been around here very long you or been around Charlie much, you know that he really likes theme parks. He, 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 he likes them a lot. Um, in fact, I would just be amazed. I've never been at a theme park with him. But I want to because I just get the feeling that, dude, I mean, he, like, if I would get five rides in a day, ten rides in a day, I mean, his is exponential, right? Like, I'm, I'm sure he, he, ride, he could ride all the rides he wants to because he goes ahead of time and he figures out all of the things and he plays, so it's fun to just get him talking about it. Like, all right, so if I wanted to ride this ride at this theme park, what would I do? Well, you would do. And he's taking all the initiative to figure everything out. I just show up and, like, try to have fun and ride rides, right? And for most of us, especially the big theme parks, what happens is we show up and the theme park dominates us. Charlie takes the initiative ahead of time. And he shows up, and he dominates the theme park. And I've heard him talking about laughing at people that are getting dominated while he just makes his way, you know? <laughs> Life is, is, is like that. You know, we, we just show up, and we make assumptions, and we just follow the gravity of what feels good and right, maybe. And wisdom is crawling out, and, he, and, and it's saying, man, you take the initiative to learn this other rogue path that leads to life that most are not following most of the other voices louder, but there's this path of life and wisdom. And it may not always look like what you think it will. In fact, a great example is Proverbs 
chapter 3, verse 5, which is one that you may be more familiar with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. See what I'm saying? (laughs) It's this different. Your understanding might say this, but I'm going to call you to something different. Wisdom's going to call you something different to, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. To by faith do it his way. Not lean on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Again, this yielding uh, and turn away from evil. And listen to the promise. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. There, there is life there, but it's going to require this great deal of faith. That even against sometimes what, what seems to make sense to us or what we think we know, that we believe that God knows better and has been around a little bit longer than we have. Maybe he knows how things work a little bit better than we do, and we, we yield to his way. You know, one of the big uh, examples of that, I think Charlie even brought it up last week, is, is what we do with our finances. And it's interesting, it comes right after this, verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9. It talks about that. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your harvest. And then it, it says your bats will be, I mean, uh, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. All right, again, what we've been talking about, like the, what makes sense to us and what we would assume is we spend what we got and then we've got left over we might give. And then there's this radical thought. God says, tell you what, honor me with your first fruits. <laughs> and then there's this promise of, I don't know what barns filled overflowing and vats brimming over with new wine, but it, sound, it sounds good, right? And evidently, it's refreshing. To my, it's a better way. It's a better way of living, but it's contrary to us. It's counterintuitive and requires faith. Um, a few years ago, I, uh, we needed to make a car change uh, for space in the car and some things. And I wasn't going to, of course, I'm never, I'm cheap. I was never going to spend much money. Uh, and, but I wanted something that was kind of cool. And there was this old Land Rover I found. And outside looked good, inside looked good, um, price was right, and so I just kind of forego, forewent the idea of going to a mechanic to get it checked out. I had some reservations, I heard a few noises and things, but I was like, man, it looks good, you know, whatever, so I got it. Um, first problem I have, I took it to Buddy, and he said, man, you need to get out of this as quickly as possible. This is going to end poorly. And I was like, I hear you, I hear you, but I kind of just, surely it'll be okay, surely it'll be I didn't listen to him. I didn't listen to Mater. If you've watched Cars, I think it's the second one that Mater says that, I mean, if there's not oil under one, then uh, there's not oil in it. I mean, the villain is a, is a Land Rover. If the villain's a Land Rover, I should have listened to Mater, I should have listened to my mechanic. I didn't listen to any of them. I just went my own way. And at the end of the day, sure enough, man, the engine didn't just, I mean, it broke. It, like, cracked in two. I mean, it was, it was done, done. Worst, worst decision I've ever made. Just going my own way, <laughs> what I wanted, and not asking for the pro tip, not asking for the expert to come in and give me advice. And when they did give me advice and I didn't like it, I just went my own way. And there's this promise that if we'll yield to the voice of God, that he really does know the secrets. <laughs> he really does know the best way. And it might not be what we want to hear, but it's best. At the end of the road, it's better. Another thing it says, and I'll just kind of let this speak for itself. This is a, a word of wisdom to us. 
chapter 6, verse 6, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food for harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? Does that feel good? That's my, big, that's my best preaching voice right there. That's all I got. Oh, sluggard, when you uh, arise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. I don't know if I can add anything to that. <laughs> but I can tell you this, that one of the themes of this wisdom is procrastination isn't going to work for you. Being diligent is just one of those things that when people take initiative to the things that matter, that road leads to a good place. And those that just, you know, whether it's relationships, whether it's work, and when there's something that comes along that you know you should put your hands to, put your hands to it and do it and work. Don't, don't procrastinate. All right, so then we've got uh, the way of folly. And it's interesting, I think it's really interesting to me that there's these two, there's Lady Wisdom and there's Lady Folly, and both of them are crawling out. The woman Folly, uh, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 13, the woman Folly is loud. Her voice is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes the seat in the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by and who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And uh, to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, of hell. So there's this big promise. She's loud and she makes big promises. But then when you follow that road and you get there and you're in her company, you find out that it's, it's death. And I, I've, I've seen that. I, I can testify that, that what times up, like the car example, uh, it feels a lot like I really uh, I love traveling, love going to hotels, mainly because I love, ho- I love going to a swimming pool. Uh, my Darcy, my little six-year-old Darcy is the same way. Like, we're looking forward to the swimming pool. My, my Jack's excited about breakfast. In particular, the, uh, <laughs> the, the pancake sheens at some of the hotels. That they, do little, they make the pancake on the conveyor belt. He really likes those. But either way, and I'm sure you've experienced this, whether it's a hotel or it's something else over this last year and a half, I mean, you get excited about something. You, you book a hotel. You, you're taking the family there to go swimming. There was a time that Terry and I were going to have a night away and we were going to go to this hotel and we had this plan with this pool on the website. It showed that the pool was open. We got there. Guess what? No pool. You want to make me mad. (laughs) Tell me there's a pool and then I show up and find out, guess what? There's no pool. That's what Lady Folly does. She says, come here. Oh, it's going to be good. This is what's going to happen. Then you get there and the pool's closed. You know? Um... Her promises are are unfulfilled. They sound really sweet. But look at the way it describes it. Then you get there and the dead are there. The guests, her guests are in the depths of hell. Then look at chapter 1, verse 15. It says, My son, do not walk in the way of them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. 
For in vain, catch this, in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. Now, why is that? Because a bird watches you set the net. He's smart enough not to go jump in the net. However, that's exactly what you are doing. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. That path is like setting a landmine and then walking right over your own landmine. It's like playing Mario Kart and dropping the banana, you know, and then driving around and coming back and hitting your own banana. Y'all know how that feels? It doesn't feel good. But that's what this is. You know it. You, you know it, and then you drop it, and then you do this thing, and then you're thinking it's going to answer, but then you set the ambush for yourself. It comes back to haunt you really bad. That's what happens with this way of folly. You set a trap, and then, and then you walk right into it. Um, all right, I'll just give a warning. This, this next little section is a little bit explicit. This is, but it's a huge theme of these first nine chapters, and it has to deal with marriage and sexual immorality. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace, uh, and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? I mean, it is, it is over and over and over again through these passages. And it's, it's, it's just like the example of, of money. Like, like, there is this way that seems natural. Like, we, we just spend, and then whatever we've got left over, we give. Well, there's a way that seems natural out there that sex is just something that's just, you know, it's just everywhere. It's just free. It's just whatever. And, and if you're married, then it's okay to add something to that. You know, it's whatever. And this is saying, no, 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 no. There is... There is a way that's right. The idea of a man and woman in marriage and being fulfilled and happy and that being the best, the best that it could possibly be. That's possible. Although the voices out there are yelling, no, 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 it's not enough. Oh, how could that even be possible? Y'all, it's possible. <laughs> it's, it's true. And what happens is, just like we were talking about a second ago, you try the other path. And then you get thrashed, you get dominated, and it ends in death. And then there's this beautiful life-giving, what did it say earlier? Renews your bones, (laughs) renewing, life-giving relationship that can be had in marriage. Let her satisfy you always. And isn't that that beautiful? I won't, I won't call out any names, but we got a, we got a couple in here that's about to hit their 50th wedding anniversary. You know? Those are the kinds of people you ask where joy is found in relationship. The people who have experienced it and have wisdom and can testify, you know what? It's, it's, it's true. There's a lot of voices out there saying other things. Tell you what, this one's true. I, we just passed 24, I'll testify. <laughs> 
Um, also, just for what it's worth, chapter 7, verse 21, it says this. This is what it looks like for the, the, the man, the woman that would get drawn into sexual immorality. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his very life. For what it's worth. All right, then the the last thing I want to look at is uh, Proverbs chapter 6. And this is the way it starts out. Uh, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And and the question I want to ask is just just that phrase. So he's about to give us these things. He says these are a list, not an exhaustive list, but a list of things that, that God hates that are an abomination to him. Does that cause your ears and your heart to perk up? Do you want to know what those things are? Do you, do you, do you want to know because of um, maybe fear of punishment if you do them? Do you want to know because, I mean, you want to hate them too? Do you want to know because you really believe that avoiding those things is the best path to real life? What is it? Or, or is it just that you hear these are things the Lord hates and it, it just passes over you and you don't think about it? The challenge of these chapters is, man, these things that God is talking about in Proverbs, we should, we should perk up and listen. <laughs> and we're going to have to silence other things to be able to hear it clearly. So here's the list. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises, devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. I don't have time today to explain or walk deeply into what each one of those means, but you should probably figure that out. <laughs> and you should probably figure out how to avoid those things. And that it matters. If God hates them, I should hate them. If this is the best way to live, it's the way that I want to live. If it matters to him, it should matter to me. We've got, we've got some good friends that um, I, I realized the other day she says this often, uh, my friend's wife, that uh, you know something that she has done before, gone on a trip, gone to a restaurant, anything like that, and you're getting ready to do that same thing, she'll say, oh, got a pro tip for you. Got, got a pro tip for you, you know. It's been a lot of pro tips lately, you know, because everything's changing. You go to a restaurant, you don't know what's okay, what's not okay. You talk to somebody who's been there before, and they drop a pro tip on you. Hey, just so you know, when you go there, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that. Um, y'all, Proverbs, this is a list of pro tips. <laughs> pro tips. The one who knows has given us some things, and it's not a list of necessarily these do's and don'ts. It's this list of Hey, you want, you want a life to the fullest? You want it to the fullest? Now, you might not like some of these statements, but, but they're true. You want life to the fullest? Search for this like gold and silver, like hidden treasure, and try it out. See if it isn't, like it said, refreshing to the bones, filling to the soul, 
end of that path is life. All right, let me pray that we would.